you will please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. As you're turning there, I do hope you'll join us uh, this evening out at the Coffins. If you've never been over there on the backside of Montesano, it is, it is beautiful. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, we invite you to come. We'll have plenty of food. Uh, it'll be a, a great time. We'd love to tell you how to get there. Uh, we pray for this rain to kind of knock some of the allergens out of the air, so I'm thankful for that. Also want to make mission that this coming summer, we are going to be going on our first ever for our church mission, summer mission trip to the Yakima Indian Reservation to serve with one of our ministry partners, Sacred Road, uh, Sacred Road Ministries. So I'd love for you to pray about that, consider about that. That's open to our youth, uh, if, if you're interested in going. And we're going to have an informational meeting this Wednesday night, right after our foundations. So please, please join us, even if you're just thinking about it and want to hear more. Ephesians chapter 5, we're continuing our second installment here in a series on marriage. Specifically looking at what the scriptures here in Ephesians chapter 5 have to say about marriage. And so the passage that we will study this morning is Ephesians 5 verses 21 through 24. This is God's holy word to us this morning. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is his, himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Let's pray. Father, help us to walk as you have told us and taught us to walk in your word. Transform our minds and our hearts, O Lord. Bring them in conformity to your will for our lives, especially as it relates to marriage. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the, the one word that we read in this passage that we are most afraid of? Uh, what is that one word that we find in this passage that almost causes us to cringe a little bit? Has a, a very negative connotation to it. Of course, that word is the word submit. When we see that word, especially that word submit or submission being connected to women, again, we get a little tense, we cringe a little bit, but this should not be. And I hope this morning as we study God's word together, uh, that our, our, our minds and our hearts will be reprogrammed to have a more biblical understanding of what this word means. I want to propose to you this morning that submit is a good word. It's a positive word. It's a, it's a biblical word. It's a word that helps us to live the Christian life, especially to live the Christian life in a more beautiful way, to help us and enjoy all the goodness that, that God has for us. That there is joyful freedom in submission. Biblical submission can actually provide freedom, glorious freedom, happiness, and joy that we, we all crave. 
And so we're about to embark on a new section here in the book of Ephesians that starts really in verse 21 and goes all the way to chapter 6 to verse 9. We're going to learn a lot about relationships, biblical relationships, biblical relationships in the home as it relates to the family, to marriage, to children, to parenting, and biblical relationships in the workplace, how we are to conduct ourselves as employer employers or employees. This is very, very practical stuff for Christian living that the Apostle Paul is going to teach us here in this passage. But our current passage this morning, verses 21 through 24, is particularly addressed to wives in the local church. And it's a, a teaching that goes right against the grain of everything that we hear in the secular culture today. So nothing I say this morning will be popular. Nothing this morning will be acceptable on CNN, Fox News, or any of those type things. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way this morning. Because in our culture, what we are taught, what we are told we should value is that the self, the individual is the most important. The individual self is sovereign. He or she individually is what matters the most in life. That's what we're taught. That's the worldview that is pushed on us every day. But in a, in a Christian worldview, in, in a Christian way of looking at things and, and, and understanding what life is all about, we understand that living in community is what is most important. God has designed us, yes, to be individuals, but we are created for community life. We do not exist by ourselves. We are designed for relationships with other people. And these relationships that, that God has designed, He has given them to us so that we may better express ourselves as individuals as we were designed, as we were created. Because when we live in these relationships to His glory, whether that be marriage, whether that be parenting, parent-child relationships, employer-employee, any of these things, these relationships were created by God to help us glorify Him and enjoy Him. These relationships are foundational. They're not only foundational for the church, but they're foundation for life. They're foundational for the human race to survive. It's, it's how God created the world. It is the creation mandate. And so, particularly, marriage... And we'll look at in a few weeks the parent-child relationship. These are, these are God's design. They, they go back to the very good beginning. Marriage has God's very old fingerprints on them. They are important. But the audacity of our culture today, the audacity of our current context, is that those who have rejected God's good design, they're coming up with new structures and new paradigms trying to redesign what God has, has designed. But in the process, these 
futile human attempts to redesign marriage, they're not helping anybody. They're simply hurting relationships. They are damaging souls. And in this redesign that our culture is trying to come up with, with marriage and human relationships, too often it is our children who are caught in the crossfire of the culture's experimentation. Our children catching the worst of it. I heard someone even say this morning, you know, my parents have been divorced for over 40 years, and I'm still feeling the awfulness of it. Perhaps the saddest thing about our current culture is the, is the outright denial of, of the problems that our world and our culture is facing right now. It's just, it's just we're just oblivious to it. We just ignore it and pretend that it's not there. And these problems that are facing our culture are, are really go back to, of course, sin. <laughs> you know, sin is at the root of all things. But here when we particularly put our fingers on it, this outright rejection of God's design for marriage and especially God's design for the biblical roles of men and women in marriage. The evidence for this rejection is clear. Divorces are on the rise, even in the church. Actual marriage relationships are in decline. People are no longer seeing it as a, as a valued importance. I've, I've actually had a couple ask me if I would just come do like a little ceremony, a little moment of silence for their, for their union. And I said, well, you mean like a marriage? No, no, we don't, we don't really want to do a marriage ceremony. I said no, by the way. <laughs> and if you come to me and ask that, I'll say no to you too. Uh, STDs are on the rise. Abortion is celebrated. Suicide, depression, gender confusion, all on the rise. There's a, a severe drop in even the birth rates in our country. It, it's not a pretty picture when we began to look at the facts of our culture. And the world will tell you. They are, the world is trumpeting louder than ever right now that if you will just let people live in a more individualistic way, then that individual happiness will spread and affect the culture. But is that working? I mean, is that working? I think it's time for us to end the experimentation. It's not working. And this is where the Bible comes in. This is where the scriptures are still true today as they were to the church at Ephesus thousands of years ago. Christianity has some great wisdom and insight to give when it comes to biblical relationships. Because it's teaching us here that you will actually be more happy. You will be more fulfilled. You will be more satisfied when you follow God's design for relationship. And not the world's design. And this certainly applies first and foremost to marriage. Marriage, the very foundation of our society, the very foundation of all relationships. And that brings us into our passage that speaks of submission. I call this blessed submission. 
the way that we can begin to recover a biblical world and life view for marriage is to, is to begin by looking at what God's Word has to say about submission. First, I want to point out to you that Paul is not singling out wives in the church here, or women, as even some of our English translations would have us to believe. Because in Greek, which is what the New Testament was originally written in, the paragraph actually starts in verse 21. And so if I had a chance to sit on these Bible translation committees, and whoever puts these headings in our Bibles, I would say, stop that. You know, move it back to verse 21. Because it starts in verse 21. The context here is verse 21. We are all called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not just women. Okay? Let's, let's be crystal clear on that. The Bible is not singling out women here and saying, you better submit. That is not what's going on here. All Christians are called to submit, and that's why we started reading in verse 21. To be a person, to be a human being, to be breathing air this morning, means that we all live under the submission to someone or something. We're all called to submit to Christ. We're called to submit to the church. By the way, that's a great argument for church membership. Everyone lives under some secular government, human authority that we're called to submit to. No one is uh, exempt from living into submission to someone or something. No one. But the world would have you believe differently. But submission, biblical submission, actually reflects God's created order of relationships. Wives submit to their husbands. Children submit to their parents. Later, we'll look at slaves submit to their masters. But if we reverse these things, if we throw submission out of the picture, what do we have? Ruin and chaos. The Greek word translated here for submit or submission means to be subject to. It means to place yourself under the authority, under someone's rank who's higher than you. It means to simply to obey. That's what the word submit means. To be subject to someone or to submit to someone is to, is to really place their interest above your own. That's why we, we tell our children. They ask, why should I do that? Because, because I told you to. Because I told you so is actually a good biblical reason. I'm your parent. I'm an authority over you. You're called to obey me. I'm trying to parent you for your good. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks. But at the heart of knowing and intimately pursuing a deep relationship with the Lord comes Submission. Submitting to the Lord. Saying, Lord, you, you know how to run my life better than I do. God, my Father, I want to live my life under control of what you have for it and not what I have. This is at the heart of a vibrant Christian faith. Submission is a good thing. Perhaps some of the trouble and heartache that we face in life is due to unwillingness to submit to those whom God has placed over us. 
It's true. It's true in every relationship. You may have an employer who is just really hard on you, who you cannot stand. And, and every day it's about that employer. But what about you? Are you a submissive employee? Are you yielding to the command, to the instruction that the employer is giving you? It's the same with children. Children, are, are you just really unhappy at home right now? Teenagers, just really don't like going home right now. Because those people that are in your house, who paid for the house, by the way, are causing trouble. Perhaps it's because you're not living in submission. Submission is a good thing. But let's now see how this biblical submission, these principles apply to marriage, specifically to wives. And so this is a word to wives. This is a word to those aspiring to be wives. This is a word to those helping other wives. And this is especially a word to husbands this morning. A, a gospel-centered marriage. A marriage that finds its foundation first and foremost in the love of Jesus Christ and His saving work. A gospel-centered marriage is about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does that mean? It means a gospel-centered marriage is simply living your life as a Christian. Living out your marriage as Christians are called to. And so when we do this, wives will realize a few things about a gospel-centered marriage. Here they are, three things this morning. And fair warning, I probably won't get to all three of them. So we'll pick it up next week. The first, submitting to your husband is a way you honor Christ. Second, submitting to your husband is according to God's created order. Third, Submitting to your husband displays the gospel. So the first is, wives submitting to their husbands is how they honor Christ. Look in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. What is the calling that all Christians have? What is, the, what is your calling in the Christian life? Some, I think, Erroneous teaching says that all Christians are to be perfect and live like they're perfect and happy all the time. No, that's not what Scriptures teaches. What the Scriptures teach about the Christian life is our calling is to be faithful. Calling to be faithful. That's what we read responsibly from Deuteronomy 6 this morning. Being faithful is how we honor the Lord. And the way that wives are called to demonstrate faithfulness in marriage in the marriage relationship, is to submit to their husbands. This is what it means to be faithful. The word submit here simply means that wives are to put themselves under the leadership, under the headship of their husbands. That's what it means. But it's interesting to note here that the, the tense, the, the, the onus uh, of the Greek word for submit here in this Sentence, it means that submission does not mean that the husband rules his wife with an iron fist or that he is in some way called to put her under submission. That is not what it means at all. Rather, the onus is placed entirely on the wife. 
it is she that places herself into this role of submission. So, husbands, it's not your job to remind your wives to submit. No, no elbow nudging here. Just want to just make that clear. Husbands, it's not your job to remind your wives to submit. But wives, it is incumbent upon you to actively live this way before, before God in your marriage. And so the Bible's definition of submission is an active role that the wife takes, not a passive role. Submission is something she does, not something that is done to her. Very important to make that distinction. Submission is something that a wife does here. It's not something that husbands do to her. So with that in mind, this is why a wife is to be given authority and responsibility, especially in the home, to do things like manage the schedules of the children and the family, manage the money, and other significant responsibilities. To do all these things, of course, with the blessing of her husband, with the leadership of her husband, as she's actively submitting to him. You know, another common accusation against Christianity, and I, and I hear this all the time, and it, it, it frustrates me to no end, is that Christianity is demeaning to women. I mean, this could not be further from the truth. Even just a simple Bible reading of the New Testament, you see where some of the most faithful believers, the most devoted followers of Christ, were who? The women. They were the women. This passage is not a general call here that all women are just to submit to all men. No, submission is in the context of marriage here. Wives are to submit to their own husbands. Not just any husband, but their own husband. So this is not a general call for women just to submit to all men. That's not what it's saying here. The culture looks, looks at this teaching and misinterprets it and says, See, this is why Christianity is wrong and outdated. I mean, who would want to follow such a command to submit to your husband? But even liberal Christianity points to this teaching and says things like, this is why the entire Bible is not God's word, because passages like this do not reflect our current culture, and therefore we should remove it. All of these sentiments are just plain wrong and uninformed, because the truth is, the truth is, do you want to be happy? Do you want to have a successful and proper, prosperous marriage? Then these instructions for wives and husbands will show you what it means to have joy and happiness that is better for you, even better than you could even imagine. Like I said before, the culture, the world, is, and even the church has tried the world's way long enough, and it's not working. Let's get back to what the scriptures are teaching here because the truth is, yes, wives are called to submit to their husbands. But the harder call in Ephesians 5 is actually to the husbands. 
And we're going to learn more about that next week. Wives, you're called to submit to your husbands. Husbands, you're called to die for your wives. You are called to die. To die to yourself. To serve your wife and to serve your family and to serve your, ch- your church. I mean, have you ever noticed that? Have you ever looked at that nearly impossible call that is given to husbands? But back to wives. The chief motive for a wife to submit to her husband is found here at the end of verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives, submit to their husbands on earth because this is how they live in reverence for Christ. This is how wives honor and worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It is how they show faithfulness. This is the motivation for everything we do in the Christian life. But the way a wife can show love and devotion for her Savior is showing love and support for her husband. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Paul is so compassionate, so loving, so gracious in the way he explains this. Let's let's go with what the Scriptures say. Secondly, wives are called to submit to their husbands because that is God's created order. We've already mentioned this several times in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. It's important to note here that wives being called to submit to their husbands does not make them inferior. Rather, the truth is, when the Bible says, Where the Bible has taken root and affected the culture uh, in a positive way, women have enjoyed the most freedom and the most respect and are highly valued. Uh, In other cultures and certainly in other religions where there's no biblical teaching, women are repressed and given little value. That aggravates me to no end when we talk about Muslim countries and the way that they treat women. It's ignored. Christianity values women, loves women, places high esteem upon women. The Bible teaches that women and men are created in God's image as co-equals. Men and women are equal before God. But they have different roles. Got that? Men and women are are co-equal before God, an equal standing before God Almighty, but different roles. And where do we go to learn about our roles and our calling in life as men and women? We go back to the very good beginning. And in the beginning we find that God made man first and woman was made from man. Next we find that Adam named Eve. He was given responsibility for naming the creatures, and he named the woman. And this is significant because it shows his lordship over creation and man's lordship over the woman as her lord and leader, not as her dictator. And this is why God's grand design for the wife is her calling to be a helpmate, to serve and to help her husband even in his weaknesses and shortcomings. A wife 
is of great value to a husband. Wives, do you see your husband's weaknesses as an area for you to voice your disapproval or a way, or do you see your husband's weaknesses as a way that you can offer him encouragement and help in a gentle and loving way and to help him to grow in Christ and grow in godliness? A husband's headship over his wife, over his family, is for the blessing of the marriage. It is the creative order. It is because Christ is head of his church, so also the husband is the head of the wife. So wives, do you see your calling as a wife to help your husband in his leadership? To serve him in his calling? Do you? I think the best illustration, human illustration, I've ever heard of this, what well, was years ago from a pastor who was in a, a, a terrible machinery accident. Uh, before this man was a pastor, and I think he, uh, right when he was newly married, um, he was in an accident where his hands were severely uh, disfigured and mutilated. And he had to have major reconstructive surgery on his hands to basically have any type of function with them. Because they were completely smashed. And after surgery, I heard him say that he had to have his, his arms elevated above his head for nine months while the reconstructive surgery uh, healed. So nine months, lifting holy hands. <laughs> never, never moved. And he said, and he, and he stopped and he paused and he said, I want you to think about that. I was that way for nine months. There was no disassembling the apparatus. That was just the way I was for nine months. He was newly married, and he said, my wife had to do everything for me. And he said, just stop for a moment think about that. Everything. Probably like having a baby over here. He pleaded with her to, to, to leave him. He said, I will let you out of this marriage this is too much for you to have to deal with. I'm too much of a burden. You should just leave me. But she kindly reminded him of her calling to serve him. And the vows that she had made to him and to her Lord. And so she served him. And helped him. With everything. While he was essentially incapacitated. There are so many examples of this where... Men and women, husband and wives, have showed this type of devotion and love to one another. And I think these examples are just a beautiful, beautiful illustrations of, of, of service and submission to one another. These are examples of Christ-likeness in marriage. Quickly here, I want to say a word to those who are getting married or those who are aspiring to get married one day. So that would be all of you young ladies in the room. This applies to all of you. Ladies, be careful who you decide to marry. Be careful who you decide to marry. Ask this question. 
is this man worthy of my submission? Maybe ask your parents and your church to help you discern. Does this man have godly character of someone whom I could submit to? Ask yourself this question. Is this man more in love with Jesus than he is me? Does he love the Lord more than he loves me? Does he have the, the character and the honor and the wisdom of a godly man who, who, might, who you can give your life over to? Those are important questions. This is not something you think about later. It's something you think about now. It's something you pray about now. I can remember one of the very first things that we prayed for our daughters as soon as they were born. Lord, please bring them a godly husband. A man who would be worthy of my daughters giving their lives over to in biblical submission. Let's be praying for that earnestly. Let me last issue a caution about submission. Then we're going to have to end for time's sake. Wives are not called to submit to their husbands in such a way that they may be directed to sin. Biblical submission does have a boundary line. No human relationships in God's creation ever warrant this. Never are we directed to sin or break God's commandments and say that we were just trying to submit? We must honor the Lord first and foremost. But ladies, if you are caught now in an abusive relationship or somewhere down the road in, a, in a, an abusive relationship and you don't know what to do, come to the church. Come to the church. Please come to the session to your elders and let them help you. Because physical and mental abuse in a marriage relationship is a serious matter before the Lord. And you should not go at it alone. Please seek help. And this is why it's so important for a marriage to grow and thrive in a local church. So important. Your marriage will not make it if you don't have the support of a local church. One of the advantages here is that when a marriage is troubled, a wife or a husband can come before the elders for pastoral care and for help. The elders of the church are here to, to serve and to shepherd and to, to exercise oversight over marriages, particularly when there is help needed for troubled wives. And so please come to us. Please let us serve you and help you. I don't have time to get to why wives submitting to their husbands is a glory example of the gospel. So let's do that next week. <laughs> let's pray. Father, there's so much here from your word to, to help us to, to grow. To help us to love you more. To help us to serve one another more. And especially, Lord, to help us to see what a beautiful thing you have done in creating marriage and showing us, actually giving us instructions on how to live 
faithfully before you as godly husbands and wives. And so, Lord, help us to grow. Help us to grow in our understanding of these things. Help us to see that we, we never arrive at understanding these things. We, we constantly need to grow. And thank you most of all, Lord, that you gave us this wonderful picture of Christ and his church to show us the beauty of marriage. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray.